Well, hello, uh, good morning. It's Sunday the 18th of October. My name is Matthew Luff and uh, this is St John's uh, virtual service uh, for anybody who wants to connect with us and connect with God, uh, thinking about uh, how he works in the world today and how that might change uh, the way that we are able to live and think. Um, just a couple of little bits of housekeeping. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who turned up for the annual parochial church meeting on Thursday evening. It was so nice uh, to see everybody who, who came. It's a lovely reminder uh, of, all we, of who we all are, uh, and it was great to see you. Uh, also, just this evening, hope to see you at the um, I Wonder Bible Studies through Galatians. And this evening, I'll be thinking uh, and leading a short study um, on Christian freedom. So that's an interesting topic, I think, because it draws us together in a world that's very much uh, thinking and valuing, uh, valuing freedom. So I hope that's helpful. Um, and also just to sort of keep, keep, in, keep in your calendar, if you like, uh, just remember uh, things like uh, prayer meetings on November 1st and stuff like that. Just, just keep, keep mindful of those things. And we also have house group uh, leaders meeting on Tuesday evening. So uh, if you can spare your home group leader, um, we want to talk about the forthcoming sort of material that we'll be looking at after Remembrance Day. Well, let's begin by uh, dedicating this time and our hearts to God. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord the King. Heavenly Father, as we gather together in this virtual space this morning, we pray that the presence of Jesus Christ, our Saviour, will be with us in each room and warming and reminding every heart of your salvation. May our hearts sing and resound to the joy of knowing you and being free in your name. Amen. Well, we've got uh, quite a long reading this morning, so I hope you're sitting comfortably. And we're continuing our series, uh, looking through the book of Acts and the work of the early church, or rather God's work of the early church. I think somebody said that the book of Acts should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but there's definitely a sense of God working through his people and the church acting uh, with him. So this chapter 5, uh, on beginning in verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. 
When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts, teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theudas appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census, and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, some of my initial thoughts about that passage were about how the world and how the kingdom of God uh, seems to seem to act so differently. We see in that passage how jealousy, uh, envy and anger uh, are, are such important features in the way the world works and how um, the people of God, uh, the apostles in particular, seem to sort of accept circumstances sometimes, uh, but also uh, to sort of put their trust in what God may do without always knowing what he would do which I find fascinating. So it's interesting to see that in the light of this sort of circumstance where they've been told to stop preaching the name of Jesus, um, they've carried on. 
they've, they've, they've this sense of understanding their place in human and go under human authority and under God's authority. So there's an interesting tension there, and I think I'll put something in the house group notes in there just to just to whet your appetite a bit. Um, but it's interesting that this preaching is now rapidly expanding uh, the fledgling church, and we also see that in in return for this sort of growth, we see an escalation in the threats from the Sanhedrin and the ruling council. Um, if you think about it, in the earlier arrest, uh, Peter and John were arrested, and they were jailed, and they were warned. But now all of the apostles have been arrested and jailed. Now remember, last time we thought about how people were hesitant about whether or not to join in the apostles, uh, and, uh, and, and whether that would sort of terrify them, or whether they were afraid of human authority, or, or whether they felt they should be doing what God was clearly doing. Uh, well now, of course, there's a sort of a lens, isn't there? It's kind of expanded, it's being projected suddenly, um, the, the work of God uh, and the results from the world, or the reaction of the world are being played out in front of them. So it's quite a provocative passage. If you were if you were in the early church at that time, you might well be thinking, do I want to be with these people? But actually, yeah, we do, because God can do things, and the way God does things should give us encouragement. And that's the centre of this, isn't it? The angel tells the apostles to go and proclaim, talk about this full life that they have. Now, that's quite important. In, in sort of Aramaic uh, speech, life and salvation are kind of synonymous. So the two go uh, I I together, in hand in hand, that this salvation life that you've been given, I want to show the world what it's like. And that's important. We present a way of looking at the world uh, which isn't always as simple as it seems. It's, it's quite important to have that sometimes. We can look at the news and say, this is this and this is that. And we forget that there's the hand of God. There's the hand of God at work uh, all the time. I think it was Spurgeon who said, prayer moves the hand that turns the world. Uh, and we forget that sometimes, that there is a hand at work. We don't always understand his purposes, uh, but we put our trust in them as Christians. So let's have a look at how this worldview, this way of looking at situations, might help us. Um, the first, the main thing, is that it's a life geared around God's solutions to human problems or human situations. But the biggest evidence in this story, if you like, is the angelic release from human from this human prison. Um, they've been dragged into the dark and are dragged out of the dragged out of the square and put in prison. They, they're not allowed to do that anymore and, and it seems a sort of fairly robust thing doesn't it with guards and officials and a, and a proper jail you know so it's it's quite a serious uh, situation but in, in the sense of what God's doing there's more stuff going on isn't there some people have said that this is a sort of a bit of a fantasy story because there's not the detail uh, that Luke includes in a later similar story in Acts chapter 12. But actually, let's look at the story that's unfolding. Luke is trying to keep the story flowing. They've just been talking about Jesus and been arrested. And then, you know, they've been released and then they've been told not to do it again. And now they've all been arrested. So there's this flow going on. How is God interacting uh, with the people of God around him who are actually resisting him? So their, their motives are jealousy and anger. And, and actually, perhaps it comes out, doesn't it, in um, this verse um, 28, that you're determined to make us guilty for this man's blood. There's this, also there's this fear that they've terribly transgressed against God. So it's an interesting uh, dynamic. But that's part of the point, isn't it? That 
the example, the big example of, of God's solution to human situations and problems is, is this death of Jesus Christ. That it's the fulcrum of our faith is that Jesus' victory over sin and death and fear and darkness were, were part of God's plan. And that's a really important part of, of who we are. And it should help us in the way that we look at the world. Our worldview is that disastrous situations can be redeemed and, and may have more going on behind them than we thought. I wonder how the apostles felt uh, when they'd been dragged into, in, into jail. You know, they were talking about execution. That's pretty serious stuff. That must have been really difficult for them. So for, to, be, to see or witness God's hand in their release was a great reminder that God has solutions for some of our, uh, all of our human situations, um, and that's important. But it also means that the, the apostles remind themselves and the crowd that they are witnesses to God's work. And I think that's important. These events were being played out in their life. They were witnesses to the resurrected Christ. They were witnesses of his crucifixion. And, it's, and, and all of these things happened in the real world. So it's, it's, their, it's their examples and it's shaped the way they look at the world. But we, we, we can struggle to do that. It, it's a long time ago and things have moved on and there have been different ways of thinking and different ideologies and all sorts of different ways of doing things. But we need to recover sometimes that sense of, yes, Jesus Christ did walk the earth. Yes, he was put to death. Yes, God did use that to deal with our human sin. And yes, Jesus rose from the dead. It's the most important attested fact of history in its human history. It's the history of the world. So it should, we should feel comfortable uh, allowing that worldview uh, into our lives and allowing us and allowing God to say, you know what, I can do things that you can't imagine. So when we see the chaos uh, around us uh, in lots of different ways, on lots of different levels, we also know that God can bring these things uh, under his authority and bring something out of them. We think, for example, of the ways in which we've perhaps been more mindful of our neighbours. We've been more uh, dependent upon our personal relationship with Jesus Christ uh, rather than perhaps our corporate relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's important because our personal relationship with Jesus is the thing that provokes us. So we need to have that view, don't we? We need to have that sense that God can be doing something um, behind the scenes and trust that it's going to take us somewhere. I was watching uh, the Prime video series Vikings, um, and, and it's based, one of these stories is based upon uh, the, the acquisition of a sunstone. Uh, this is some kind of calcified crystal uh, that the Vikings allegedly discovered, which enabled them to navigate longer distances, even when the sun was obscured, because the crystal uh, re would refract whatever light there was in order to indicate where the position of the sun was. It's important to have something. I, I love that sort of metaphor because it's a, a wonderful way. That we have to see sometimes that God is behind things. God is doing stuff, even though we can't quite see it. And I think that's helpful. The angel was sent to release them. People, even the, even the sort of the council, were aware that God had done something. Gamaliel warns them, you, you could be acting against God here. Gamaliel sees something going on as well. A bit like looking through a sunstone. Nobody really knows quite what's happening, but God's certainly behind there directing stuff. So it's important 
It's important to have that focus, that worldview in which we belong to God and we are in God's hands. Well, that should... Um, that should enable us to be a people that can produce all sorts of things, that our, our way of thinking and looking at the world could be very different. Look at the way in which um, that apostle's life and the, and the way that God was working with the apostles changed people's minds. Gamaliel's speech created the space for the council to consider, actually, God might be at work. And they reconsidered, they moved from sort of let's have these guys executed to, to flogging them. But actually behind that was this, this sense of, you know what, maybe, maybe God is, uh, is at large. He is doing something. And that's something important, isn't it? If God is with us and, and, and God is doing stuff in our lives and we can speak about it because we're all called to be witnesses to what he's doing in our lives, then that that can change minds can't it that can alter the way other people think about the reality about the world in which we live that God is at work and that his unexpected acts of kindness and love and sometimes demonstrations of his miraculous power like this uh, enable people to see uh, and, and see what's going on and, and have some hope so we should be prepared uh, to pray that people will see in us and think rethink uh, what life might be like. We also see that sometimes this life lived out has changed outcomes, hasn't it? That the jailers uh, thought, wow, they're all locked up, uh, and the council were debating whether to execute them. But the actual outcome, much as we would not want a flogging, was that they weren't executed. They were, they, there was some doubt created, and the outcomes were changed. God's interaction in the world can change what happens as a result by, by people who are obedient to him, who put their trust in him. It might not be what we want to do. It may be something unpleasant or difficult or testing. But God can use it. And you think how often, particularly in the Old Testament, we see people who endured hardship and tough times, and yet what came through it was rich and fruitful and good for all those around them. Think about the story of Joseph uh, in Egypt, for example. So sometimes uh, God can change outcomes for people uh, through, pe through his faithfulness to them. So that's important. But also, it does require a bit of a changed attitude. And if you're a bit of a grump, uh, or if you're... <laughs> and I can, I'll put my hand up to that, don't worry. Uh, but if, it, if you're somebody who says, oh, yeah, not again, or, or when is this going to end, or something like this, we do need to have a different mindset, don't we? We do need to actually remind ourselves that Jesus Christ has made himself known to us. That's, that's the Son of God. Okay, that's the divine one. That's the holy person. That's the holiest thing you could ever know. He's decided to make himself known to you and he's, and he's offered to do life with you. And, and honestly, you know, quite honestly, we need, that's a great thing to have, isn't it? It's something that millions of people have got and millions more people need. It's a fantastic truth, isn't it? And we do need to have an attitude that accepts this and an, an attitude that says, you know what, whatever happens today, God is still with me. And, you know, he's good at the beginning of the day and whatever happens at the end of the day, he's still good. Uh, and he's still with me. And so that's important, isn't it? That we are reminded of how he is with us. It takes a lot, though, doesn't it, to, to overcome some of those things. And, and, and that means that we need to walk closely with him. 
I've told this story before, but hundreds of years ago, I had to do a, 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 some kind of fitness run. I know, it's unbelievable. Um, I had to do some kind of fitness run for which, a, for which a, a set time was required. And it didn't look like I was going to make it. It didn't look like I was going to get in in the time. But then somebody who had already finished came back, about half a mile, I imagine, or hundreds of miles from where I was looking, but he came back and he grabbed me by the elbow and he said, right, come on, Luff, we're finishing this. And he, and he literally dragged me across the line. Now, occasionally I run, but I, and, and I find it painful. But I never forget the feeling of knowing that somebody else cared enough uh, to, to put themselves out and, and, and run with me. And that's the attitude that we need, isn't it? It's, it's a really positive one. It's a really good one, because that's what Jesus has offered to do. That's what Jesus wants to do. That's the massive thing. He wants to help us. He wants to be with us. He wants to run with us like that. So a mindset, a mindset that can cope with the world, a mindset that says, you know what, this isn't what it should be. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a surprise, in fact. But actually, we can see that if we trust God, God can do stuff. And that might change people around us. It might even change the situation dramatically. It may be in your workplace uh, or amongst your family. Being patient and trusting God has enabled people to see, you know what, there's something going on here. And actually that, expectant, that expectancy, that sense of, you know what, God's with me. Anything can happen um, is really healthy. So it's a good thing to do. And I hope that this has blessed you uh, this morning. I've rambled on far longer than I wanted to, but I, I found that really interesting passage. So bless you and, and over to Rosemary for our prayers. Good morning, everyone. First of all, in our prayers, I'd like us to draw close to God in worship. And we're reminded, Lord, it's so good to know that through Jesus we can come into your presence. We bless you that you're our creator and redeemer. And for the knowledge that you have all things in your hands and that you've promised always to be with us. And so, Lord, as we turn to prayer for our nation, we pray for humility and wisdom for Boris Johnson and the government as they wrestle with seemingly impossible decisions to make. We pray for those who are currently suffering from the coronavirus and for all others who have been directly affected by it. We pray, think especially of those whose lives have been permanently changed by this virus. And we pray that people would behave responsibly and considerately. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for people who are anxious about jobs, their homes and financial security. And we thank God and we pray for the NHS and for scientists who are working to find a virus, uh, a vaccination for the virus. We pray, Lord, that this situation would have the effect of drawing people to God as our strength and deliverer. And we pray for God's merciful deliverance from this virus in his time. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Then we turn to the matter of Brexit. 
and we pray for God's directing for the way forward as difficult decisions have to be made and agreements need to be reached. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We turn our prayers now to the church, both here in Southbourne and worldwide, and pray to God that we would listen to God's voice and that we'd learn new ways of being church, both in our worship and as well in our neighbourhoods. And here at St John's we pray for Matt and the leadership team and following the church's annual meeting on Thursday we thank God and pray for all who faithfully serve in various capacities. Obviously many are stood down at this time. Nevertheless we thank God for them and we pray that when they take up the reins later for God's hand upon them as they do so. And in our church community we pray for all who are struggling at this time. We know that we have people waiting for test results for a medical condition. Some are going through serious illness or loss of some kind. Many find themselves lonely at this time. And some people are in a place where they have to make difficult decisions. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our local community of Southbourne, we pray particularly for our young people and schools. And we pray that our schools won't have to close again. We pray for teachers and all those who have to make hard decisions about the way ahead. Worldwide, we remember before God those we know who serve God around the world, often in extremely difficult situations. And we just have a pause for a moment as we're able to lift people up that we know. And we pray also about the American presidential election, that the man of God's choice would be the one selected. So finally, we thank you, Lord, that you are always more ready to hear than we are to pray, and that we're able to come before you as beloved children, confident in your ongoing care. So we pray, Lord, that you would help us to stay close to you. Amen. So uh, in light of the things I've just been thinking about, let's, let's pray along with these, um, this, this responsorial confession. Um, I'll give you a pause. The refra uh, phrase is, Father, forgive us, and the response is, save us and help us. God, our Father, we come to you in sorrow for our sins for turning away from you and ignoring your will for our lives. Father, forgive us, save us and help us. For behaving just as we wish, without thinking even of you. Father, forgive us, save us and help us. For failing you by what we choose to do and think and say. 
Father, forgive us, save us and help us. For letting ourselves be drawn away and distracted from you by temptations and fears in the world around us. Father, forgive us, save us and help us. For living as if we were ashamed and embarrassed to know Jesus Christ, your Son. Father, forgive us, save us and help us. So may the God of love and power forgive us and free us from our sins, heal us and strengthen us by his Holy Spirit and raise us to new life in Christ our Lord. Amen. And so we close this little prayer. Father, help me to live this day to the full, being true to you in every way. Jesus, help me give myself away to others, being kind to everyone I meet. Spirit, help me to love the lost, proclaiming Christ in all I do and say. Amen. Amen.